For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Game 730 AM studio is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. The views and positions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the game 730 a.m. Some may find the content of this program controversial or offensive. Put on your big boy pants and buckle up. This isn't a safe space for weak takes or whining. You can say that this sports radio show is offensive-minded. Call the show at 517-300-4263. Text or call us through the game, 730 AM Message the game, 730 AM on Facebook. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back again. Beanie's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Here's your host and professional Hellraiser, Beanie Howell. Welcome in. It's a victory Monday. This is nice. Forgot what this felt like. And it's a studs and duds edition of the program. You know how that goes. A chance for you to win a $25 gift certificate to the Nuthouse in downtown Lansing just by nominating one good and one bad performance from the weekend that was in sports. Here are all the ways to nominate your studs and duds and thereby get yourself into that drawing. Phone line, 517-300-4263. Email us. It's beanie at wvfnam.com. That's B-E-A-N-I-E at wvfnam.com. You can send us a message or comment on Facebook. Search Facebook for the Game 730 AM to do that. Or use the very handy and free Game 730 AM app. Just click chat in the main menu. Sends over a free text to us. You can get that app if you don't already have it. Just search the Apple App Store or Google Play for the game, 7.30 a.m. All right, Dr. J is here. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Good football weekend. Well, the Lions went undefeated against the bye week. (laughs) Yeah. Michigan State actually won a football game for the first time in two months. How about that? Their last win of the season is what I've been saying. 
You don't give them a shot at the horseshoe this weekend where they're 31-point <laughs> underdogs? <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, me neither, but also this is the m- biggest chance I think they've had to win at Ohio State in a long time. Not because of anything they're doing, but because this Ohio State offense is clunky and not exactly firing on all cylinders. However, the defense is better. Isn't that weird? Like, it's the worst Michigan State season in a long time, but I feel like it's their best odds of winning in Columbus since the last time they did it in 2015. Yeah, I think they would actually have a chance if they had a a pulse as a team. Well, we don't have to talk about it because it's not possible. There is no pulse, despite beating Nebraska. Man, Nebraska had won five out of six. What a mess. What a mess of an offense. Good Lord. They are truly awful. Anyway, uh, we need to get into something else to start the show here. There is an update to the Steel Team 6 saga, as I've been calling it, relevant to Michigan State. Although, Dr. J, you know, you, you're not a fan of me calling the whole sign-stealing, illegal scouting thing at U of M Steel Team 6. You think it's blasé. I did, over the weekend, have a creative vision, a different name to call this whole situation, this whole scandal. You ready? Yes. I want you to be honest when you think about it because this came to me pretty much in a eureka moment. It was like sent (laughs) to me divinely by God. I think it's pretty good. Are you ready? Yeah. Hail to the voyeurs. Get it? Because voyeur means like like you're just eavesdropping or spying on someone. Yes, and it starts with a V. Very good. Uh Uh-huh. Ends in ers, like victors. Anyway, there's an update there, and it pertains to Michigan State. Central Michigan University sent out this press release earlier today. I guess you can't even call it a press release. It's more like a media statement or advisory. From CMU AD Amy Folan. I'll read it verbatim. Central Michigan continues its review of the matter in cooperation with the NCAA. As this is an ongoing NCAA enforcement matter, we are unable to provide further comment at this time. That's it. That's in reference, of course, to what pretty clearly appears to be Connor Stallions uh, in the most low-rent welfare attempt at being some sort of Cold War-level spy while on the visitor bench impersonating a CMU staffer at Michigan State's opener, what, eight weeks ago, whatever it may be, at Spartan Stadium on Friday, September 1st. That's the update there. So they didn't say anything. There's not a lot in there. Let me tell you, look, it's real simple. That's him. That's Connor Stallions on the CMU sideline at Spartan Stadium eight weeks ago. If it wasn't him, there would have been a press release last Tuesday, a few afters after the initial one. Right? If it wasn't him, they would have come out practically immediately and said, "Ah, you know what? After... Internal review, we've determined this is so-and-so, a quality control assistant for the passing game or whatever, and they would put up a picture of him, and it'd be over. Absolutely. The fact that we hadn't heard anything in six days tells you uh, enough is him. I mean, when when they didn't have an update the very next day, it was obvious it was him. If you were still, if you were still straddling the fence, you weren't sure it was Connor Stallions, 
You have to be now because the NCAA is involved. The NCAA has joined CMU in, in this investigation. They've added the CMU element to their ongoing investigation into Michigan for Hail to the Voyeurs, as I'm now calling it, the illegal scouting scheme. The fact that the NCAA is now involved is evidence. It's him. It also tells you there's at least some suspicion that U of M knew and or was involved in him being there. This this is that part of the discussion is over. It's him. We don't have to spend any more time on it. You don't have to him and haw and wonder in case you still were and your eyes don't work and you couldn't tell by the myriad visual evidence. It's clearly him. It's clearly him. And it's clear the NCAA thinks Michigan was involved in some way, right? Anything else we need to add on that, Dr. J? Uh, no, I think it, it is very clearly Connor Salians. Like, there's, there's can't be any debate about that still. Unless it's some other guy that looks like him and is scouting for a different team. Who just so happened to have on uh, Ray-Bans that have a video camera surreptitiously installed in the top right corner and also happened to be the only guy on the bench that night not wearing Adidas shoes. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's definitely him. There's what would be called a preponderance of evidence that it's him. Too many coincidences lining up. But seriously, it's guys. All circumstantial. If you were... If if you're a Michigan fan who, over the last couple of weeks, stunningly reversed course on this whole kind of uh, approach to NCAA matters, and now you just want to wait and let things play out, this ought to end that, at least for this part of it for you. The NCAA is involved. That's all you need to know. It's him. If you weren't already sold by CMU not coming out immediately last week and saying, oh, no, that's Joe Blow, our quality control assistant. I mean, it's it's over. It's him. Elsewhere in Hail to the Voyeurs news. Let's do this chronologically. Let's go back to where we left things on Friday. Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti was meeting, along with fellow Big Ten leadership, with U of M administrators about the whole situation, right? We knew that. Well, now we know, courtesy of several different reports, that that meeting did not go too well for the blue. And this is according like I mentioned on the White Law PLLC tailgate show Saturday morning, the details I'm about to relay to you come from the Wolverine.com, which is the on3.com affiliate covering U of M. This is Chris Ballas and that cadre of guys. And listen, you would, I'm sure many of you are saying, why are you repeating information from that complete propaganda rag? And that's a fair question because it's exactly what it is. Because the nature of what I'm about to tell you that they reported makes it that much more credible, believe it or not. Because it's bad news for Michigan. And Chris Ballas and or the Wolverine.com reporting anything less than absolute raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens about U of M is akin to if you turned on Russian state TV tonight and the anchor on there said, President Vladimir Putin is losing the war in Ukraine. Things that just <laughs> don't happen. The Wolverine.com publicizing very bad foreboding developments in the Michigan sign-stealing scandal about Michigan would be the same as Aaron Rodgers going on the Pat McAfee show 
and announcing a new spokesmanship partnership endorsement deal with Pfizer. <laughs> it, won't, it just doesn't happen. So what the Wolverine.com reported came out of that meeting between Big Ten and U of M Brass is that Michigan came in prepared to fight tooth and nail for Harbaugh to resist any suggested punishment. Well, the Big Ten threw them a massive curveball, according to the Wolverine.com, producing, quote, overwhelming evidence of an extensive plot that Harbaugh should have known about, even if he truly wasn't personally involved. And these are words Chris Ballas and the Wolverine.com reported that the Big Ten threatened, quote, nuclear options. Nuclear options. Supposedly, Tony Petiti suggested, according to the Wolverine.com, that Michigan suspend Harbaugh themselves indefinitely. Michigan, of course, said no. The Big Ten left and said, all right, you'll be hearing from us. And since then, a letter U of M president slash chief Harbaugh apologist and butt kisser Santa Ono sent to the Big Ten the night before that meeting. He's made it public. It's available. You can find it in all sorts of different publications now. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but there are some excerpts from it that I think are incredibly interesting. Again, this is from U of M president Santa Ono's public open letter to the Big Ten about the whole Michigan situation. Quote, it's precisely at these times when all key facts are not known, but others are all too comfortable offering strongly held opinion that it is essential for everyone to ensure the investigations are conducted fairly and that conclusions are based on what actually happened. The reputation and livelihoods of coaches, students, and programs cannot be sacrificed in a rush to judgment, no matter how many and how loudly people protest otherwise. Due process matters. We, as would any other member of the Big Ten, deserve nothing less. Our students, our coaches, our program, all are entitled to a fair, deliberate, thoughtful process. The best course of action the one far more likely to ascertain the facts is to await the results of the NCAA investigation. But if you refuse to let the NCAA investigative process play out, the Big Ten may not take action against the university or its players or coaches without commencing its own investigation and offering us the opportunity to provide our position. That is not just required by our conference rules. It is a matter of basic fairness. That's... Santa Ono, U of M president, and apparently world's most oblivious man, <laughs> in an open letter to Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. So there's a lot to unpack there. And if you could see Dr. J's face as I read that, apparently that's the first time you've heard that letter, huh? Yep, sure is. I'm, I'm about to unpack this, like, facet by facet, but why don't you give us a short, pithy encapsulation of your response? What a hypocrite. Yeah. I mean, look, that's about it. That's, that's all it really needs to be said. You hit the nail on the, on the head there. So look, um, before we get into that, whether or not Ono is right, 
that the league has to conduct its own investigation and give Michigan a chance to defend itself before the Big Ten can administer any discipline. Whether or not that's accurate, that's going to be up for debate and perhaps litigation too. But what isn't up for debate and certainly isn't up for any litigation is U of M's audacious, sanctimonious, tried and true, rules for thee, not for me approach. That's the Michigan difference. Because listen to this, man. Ono is invoking the importance of fact-finding and truth in the name of protecting the reputations and livelihoods of the Michigan coaches and players involved. Warning against the perils of rushing to judgment, preaching that fairness is a sacred right owed to all. And you know, that might mean something. Those words might actually resonate if we knew he wasn't entirely full of BS. And it's particularly interesting, that stance, because Michigan's stance on due process right now is in direct and stark contrast with Michigan's stance on due process from just one year ago. You would have been hard-pressed to get the words due process or basic fairness out of the mouths of anyone in Michigan leadership one year ago now. They were too busy conducting a character assassination campaign against eight Michigan State football players who had the audacity to get into a fight with two U of M players in the big house tunnel after the game last year. And what do you know? The Big Ten, thanks in no small part to Michigan's woefully aggrieved act, forced MSU to suspend those players just hours after the incident, long before any semblance of due process was afforded them. So I got to, I just wonder naturally, Dr. J., Was Santa Ono distraught over a rush to judgment then when his football coach was leveraging the Detroit media to demonize a group of 18 to 20-something-year-olds? How much of a consideration was due process when Harbaugh took to the podium minutes after that tunnel fight happened and unilaterally declared the actions of the Spartan football players involved to be definitively criminal? Did Santa Ono lose any sleep then over the basic fairness that those MSU players were denied when U of M weaponized the Washtenaw County Prosecutor's Office, by the way, headed up by a season ticket holder who's somehow an even bigger, slappy Michigan fanboy than Santa Ono himself. When Michigan used the legal apparatus to humiliate those, frankly, young men in a supposed legal proceeding that looked like something out of Vladimir Putin's Russia? Well, the answer is, of course, no. No, Santa Ono and anyone else at Michigan didn't give a damn about due process then. Why? Because it didn't stand to benefit them. Not then. Look, man, U of N represents the largest collection of self-righteous phonies this side of politics. Hypocrisy of the most shameless and oblivious order is as elemental to the U of M experience and culture as the winged helmet, fall Saturdays, and a fan base overwhelmingly constituted by those without any tangible connection to the institution whatsoever. By the way, something else, Santa Ono and everyone else on the Michigan side of this is getting fundamentally wrong is invoking due process at all. I don't want to hear about due process. I don't want to hear about what about when, when do we get our side to tell our side of the story. 
for once and for once and for all, let's settle this. And for any of you Michigan fans listening right now, you do not get due process here. That would be a luxury. That would be a gift for you. This is not a court of law. There's no habeas corpus here. You have entered into voluntarily, essentially, a club. That club's name is the Big Ten. And part of being a member of that club is a mandate that you follow its rules and that you agree to its procedures and bylaws. Guess what's not in those procedures and bylaws? Due process. I hate to break it to you, but you're answerable to the Big Ten and NCAA here. Not the Constitution. Not your state constitution. That has no bearing on this. There is no due process. Stop crying about it. I hate to burst the bubble of the myriad maize and blue clad constitutional scholars and 14th Amendment enthusiasts who have suddenly sprung up over the last few days. But you don't get due process. You don't get it. That's not your right here. This is not a court of law. Just trying to help you out. So where things they have it completely backwards. Go ahead. Well, they have it completely backwards because due process should have been in place for the Michigan State players involved in the tunnel fight because that would constitute something that would need due process. This doesn't. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, look. Arguing for due process is a lot like the whole conference pride argument. You only hear people invoke these things when they stand to benefit from them. And they never talk about them when they would be the ones giving it instead of receiving it. No one is interested in any of that. It's just total and complete hypocrisy, which, of course, is no surprise. But honestly, the utter shamelessness of it or obliviousness to it, tone deafness, whatever you want to call it, it's honestly impressive. They are the leaders and best at that. So where are things now? Well, everyone seems to be expecting the hammer to drop any second, like the Big Ten to announce some harsh, wide-ranging penalty on Michigan. Uh, I wouldn't expect that in general and certainly not now. Here's what Pete Thamel of ESPN.com reported today. He said, don't expect any action by the Big Ten in the Michigan sign-stealing case for at least the next 48 hours. The league's sportsmanship rules allow for a, quote-unquote, reasonable chance to respond to an institution or individual. Sources have told ESPN that there will be a legal battle if there's a punitive suspension by the Big Ten of Jim Harbaugh. All right, so he's, Pete Thamel is saying don't expect anything for at least a couple of days. So let's sum it all up. Depending on who you believe and whose reports you read, it does sound like the Big Ten is getting ready to do something, whether that's a two-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh or, uh, according to Chris Ballas of TheWolverine.com, an indefinite suspension for Jim Harbaugh. That part's up to interpretation, but it does sound like a suspension will be coming down this week. And I want to dig in on that. Because I know a lot of people locally are very invested in this. Well, frankly, the entire, anyone who's played Michigan over the last three years at least has a dog in this fight. 
So since that covers an overwhelming majority of the entire college football audience, I wanted to dig in on this angle. Whether it's a two-game suspension or an indefinite one for Jim Harbaugh, is that really enough? Is that enough of an in-season punishment from the Big Ten for Michigan's widespread, heretofore unheard of in scope and sophistication illegal scouting scheme? A penalty that involves only a suspension for the head coach, regardless of how long it is. Is that really sufficient? To me, suspending Jim Harbaugh doesn't matter. It's punitive only to Jim Harbaugh. He's the only one who would suffer from that, and I bet he would still get paid anyway. It doesn't hurt Michigan this season in the slightest. And isn't that the point? The rest of the Big Ten is clamoring for Tony Petiti to do something because they want Michigan to be held to account and prevented from benefiting from their illicit acts here this season when they have a serious chance to make a run at the national title. That's the whole point of urgency here. Suspending Harbaugh, sitting him down, whether it's two games or the rest of this year, that doesn't do anything to that. That has no influence on it. And that's what makes Michigan's obstinance so bizarre to me. They are prepared to go to war for this guy. They're prepared to dig their heels in and to put up a fight like in a ground assault the way the Japanese would have if we had taken to the shores there in World War II. No surrender. But if they would just relent and suspend Harbaugh themselves, maybe just for as little as two games, meaning he could be back for the Ohio State game, the Big Ten would back off and let them go about their national championship chase. Why not just do that? That is, to me, such a simple solution. Because it, it's, it's the best possible outcome. You suspend Harbaugh yourself. You lose him for a couple of games. At worst, he can't coach the rest of the season but you still get to chase that national championship with that roster and assistant coaching staff, all of whom still have precious intel on virtually anyone else they'll play the rest of the way, thanks to this scheme. Why not just do that? Harbaugh's gone after this season regardless. And you definitely don't need him to get the job done. He, he's not a head coach who calls the plays. He's not a head coach who calls the defensive alignments. No, he's a traditional head coach. He's managing the entire operation. Do you think they really need him? Didn't we see in the first three games they don't need him? This team is so damn good. And I'm talking about legitimately, too. Michigan's from a roster perspective. This doesn't include the immeasurable benefit they get from knowing everyone else's place and being able to predict what's about to happen. I'm not even getting into that. Just on a talent level, they don't need Harbaugh. They're going to challenge to set an NFL record in this upcoming draft for the most players from one school in a singular draft. Some people are speculating it could be upward of 20. And you hear it every time they play someone else. The opposing coach says, that's the best defense I have ever seen. 
Purdue scored 13 on them thanks to a garbage time touchdown practically as time expired. That's the first time all season someone put double-digit points up on this defense. Now, a lot of that is owed to the fact that they know exactly what's coming. Yes. And to deny that, if you deny that there is not just an impact, but an overwhelming advantage to knowing your opponent's place, you are either the dumbest football fan ever or you're part of the cult. But I digress. They don't need Harbaugh to make this run. The coordinators are running the show. Now, unless they're up for the suspension too, I don't see why you wouldn't just sacrifice Harbaugh. It would get the Big Ten off your ass, and it would guarantee that you get to make the run of the national championship without an in-season punishment. The only explanation I can come up with, Dr. J, is Occam's razor. The simplest solution tends to be the correct one. Why would Michigan resist giving Harbaugh up for two games or the rest of the season to chase a national championship and get the Big Ten off its back? What reason? The most obvious and only reason. Because it's U of M. Because they answer to no one. Because arrogance is essential to Michigan as the winged helmet. Or overindulging oneself at Zingerman's Deli. It's U of M. They don't take marching orders from anyone. And they certainly won't sit back and idly accept any punishment. And it's so dumb here. Because fighting this, whether it's an injunction, which has practically already been telegraphed by U of M, if slash when the Big Ten levies some sort of uh, suspension or other punishment this week, they've practically already vowed to seek an immediate injunction an emergency injunction in court, which would hold it up. Or suing the Big Ten or whatever it may be. Bad ideas. Really, really bad ideas. It makes it so much worse. Why? Because when you get involved in a legal case, there's something called the discovery phase. And in case you haven't been reading the headlines, Michigan doesn't need more people kicking around their backyard and peeking into their closet. If you get the courts involved, we're going to bring a spotlight and we're going to see all them cockroaches. Bad idea. I don't get it. It's, it's so dumb to me. But regardless, um, look, here's the question is, is a Harbaugh suspension enough of a punishment in season? Why or why not? Maybe you think the two coordinators need to be sat down too. I mean, after all, Stallions was in... Their ear, just as much as Harbaugh's, standing next to them during games, pretty clearly Nostradamusing the plays. Look, um, I've heard some people say, well, the Big Ten needs to end their season. That's not going to happen. Why? Because the Big Ten is a business, first and foremost, and it's not interested in committing financial suicide. If, you out, if, if there's someone out there right now who seriously thinks there's a chance that you're going to hear from the Big Ten this week that Michigan's season has been suspended. <laughs> I hope you don't have a driver's license. I hope you're not allowed to procreate. <laughs> you, are, you are not competent enough to be part of society. In what world would the Big Ten effectively cancel the two biggest economic events 
on its calendar that matter most to its primary TV network partner. That would be Michigan at Penn State this weekend and Ohio State at Michigan two weeks from now. Do you know how many millions of dollars are tied up in those games, like ad revenue-wise? Do you know what would happen if those games were canceled? All hell would break loose in corporate boardrooms across the country. And if Tony Petiti was feeling the heat over the summer when, NC, when NBC was pissed off that Kevin Warren didn't follow through on a promise to give them a Black Friday primetime game, if he thought that was pressure, wait until Fox loses its two biggest big noon games of the year. Yeah, that is not going to happen. Just trying to help you get out in front of that so you're not shocked when it doesn't. Doesn't the strategy, by the way, of Michigan's leadership and the behavior of their fan base indicate a harsher punishment is needed than a suspension? Doesn't it? Think about it. The official position of U of M leadership here is to do whatever they can to deflect, delay, and obstruct so as to postpone any punishment that could happen in season until after in a very transparent attempt to preserve their chance at a national championship. The fact that winning it would still result in it almost certainly being vacated later is proof positive that that's not enough of a punishment. Why are they all rushing to get this in? Why are they all so eager to keep any in-season punishment from being levied? Because they know it's their best chance to win a national championship. Even though it's going to be vacated. Doesn't matter. It still counts. You know why? Because vacating wins and championships is not a punishment. It's a toothless discipline. It proves it's not real. Michigan's strategy here and the narrative from their fan base and media is proof that in-season action is absolutely necessary. Your take. Tell me, is that enough? What do you need? Harbaugh suspended enough or not enough? Coordinators too? 517-342-63 is the phone number. You can email the show, beanie at wvfnam.com. You can use the free game, 730 AM app. Click chat in the main menu. Send us a free text message or use Facebook. Send us a message or comment. Search Facebook for the game, 730 AM. Got a couple of calls that have been waiting. Caller, you're on the line. Who are you? Where are you from? And what you want to get into? Go ahead. Uh, JC from Lansing. Hey, man, go ahead. Oh, well, when Harbaugh was um, suspended the four games, was that um, about the hamburger thing or the food thing? But I thought I heard that they were in investigation for downtime recruiting violations. Correct. Also, is that, the whole... pen, is that pending? Yes. Yes, that investigation is ongoing. So it was three games Michigan self-imposed, and the reason was they were negotiating over the summer with the NCAA, uh, and the NCAA wanted, uh, or excuse me, Michigan offered a four-game suspension, and the NCAA said not enough. So then Michigan took their ball and went home and suspended them themselves for three games. Uh, and it's not about a cheeseburger. That's what everyone says. It's because they were oh, okay, illegally okay. recruiting during a COVID dead period and okay. working players okay, out in a dead period. That's what it was. I thought there was two different ones going on. Okay, it was the one. You know, you are so right. It all comes down to money. They're not going to suspend the cash cows. Um, 
And, you know, there's an old saying I heard years ago, when a big school does something illegal, Cleveland State's going to go on probation, just the is going to show the power. Have you heard that phrase before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what's going to happen is some other little school like Siena Heights or Albion or something like that. Oh, I can tell you, JC, who it's going to be. It's going to be Central. Central is going to be made an example yeah. of here. And why? Because they were in association with the worst cheating scandal this side of the Fab Five. Meanwhile, yeah. the school at the center of it is going to get off scot-free. Exactly. It's that's, madness. That's, that's, I don't think they'll get off scot-free. But you're right. Harbaugh is probably gone. He wants to go to the pros anyway. But... Uh, so if they did win the national title, you think they would vacate it a year later or two? Oh, no? absolutely. I'm finding it increasingly hard to see a way that the last three years in their entirety aren't vacated for Michigan. Like, we've got, we've got like, paper trail going back the last three seasons. How is any of that going to be able to stand? Okay, I was putting the math together in my head, and I haven't looked it up officially, but about three years ago, Remember Michigan would win games 45 to 41, 40, 30, you know, like that, blah, blah, blah. And about three years ago, all of a sudden, they were one of the top defensive teams in the nation. And I'm sitting there going, boy, that coach is, remember he was getting all the phrase about three years ago. All of a sudden, they switched. And it was the same time this, when this started. So that's, that's a red flag right there, isn't it? Well, yeah. And thanks for the call, JC. There's a ton of red flags. How about going from a below 500 record against the spread to all of a sudden over the last three years, since we have proof of the sign stealing operation, Michigan isn't just a winning team against the number all of a sudden, but they are the best team in the country over the last three seasons against the spread better than even Georgia, who has been the most dominant football program over those last three seasons, Michigan, not just not just the best team against the number, statistically almost impossibly good against the number. And that begs the question. While all of U of M Twitter and the Detroit media is out there stoking the flames of the, this conspiracy theory that Ryan Day and Ohio State are the ones that started this third party investigation and ratted them out to the NCAA. And that might be true. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Did anyone ever think that maybe Vegas had something to do with this? Isn't it likely, at the very least possible, that Vegas, who keeps att- who pays attention to this kind of stuff more than anyone else because it's their literal livelihood, noticed that it was odd how Michigan went from pretty mediocre against the spread to over the last two seasons, almost statistically impossibly great against the number and said, we need to take a look at that. Something's up. In fact, Vegas pays a lot of money to firms to do this exact kind of thing. U.S. Integrity is is the biggest firm that does this. By the way, they, a couple of weeks ago when this all came out, alerted every sports book in the nation that they would be paying extra special attention to Michigan point spreads going forward. Did anyone stop to think maybe Vegas, maybe Vegas had a stake in this? It would make a ton of sense. I'll go to Ted Lanting, who's been waiting patiently. Hey, man. 
Hey, how you doing today, Beanie? I'm good. What you got for us? Well, uh, everything that you folks have said today so far, I pretty much agree with. The only appropriate remedy, but we're probably not going to see it, is to suspend postseason play. No Big Ten championship, no playoffs. This team was built on, number one, illegally recruiting. Number two, spy gate. And I know you don't like that term, but I think it's a good term. <laughs> That's fine. And and it's it's not it's not going to happen until after the fact. So the best thing we can all hope for is that Penn State and Ohio State beat Michigan, and that'll put that part of it to rest. Not just Harbaugh us. Is, you know who's hoping for that most of all is the Big Ten College Football Playoff Committee, <laughs> because then oh, they can then they're like they're validated in their abdication of taking yeah. any action or responsibility. Yeah. Yes. So, but uh, it's going to be interesting. The Board of Regents at Michigan, they continue to sit on their hands. And as a citizen of Michigan, I ask them to resign uh, their positions if they don't have the honor and the integrity to start clamping down on what's going on at Michigan. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I guess we can wish and pray that that pigs will fly too. It's just not going to happen. But I get your point because aside from this cheating scandal, there are serious, serious concerns. How about a complete lack of a vetting process, apparently, in in the Michigan Athletic Department's hiring apparatus with all the issues they've had? Yes, absolutely. Connor Stallions. How about Shimmy Schimbeckler, who was on the job for 48 hours before his, his Twitter came to light that apparently they didn't even take a a cursory one or two minutes to look through, just full of racist political diatribes. Yes. Yeah, there's some real issues there. In terms of U of M threatening to sue, in my long background, because I'm an old guy, I was a prosecutor for a while, and the NCAA is like the prosecutor of the Big Ten. They should not be afraid of threatened lawsuits. We have a political figure in America now He's made a living going around threatening to sue people that do things he doesn't like, and he's in court in three or four different places right now. You, you don't worry about the lawsuits. Let let Michigan sue. That would be the stupidest thing they could do. I agree. I mean, and I'm not a lawyer, you tell me, but it seems like when you're under the gun and implicated in the worst cheating scandal in a while— that going into court and opening yourself up to discovery is a horrible strategy. It probably is, and I have to start questioning the quality of the graduates of that law school in Ann Arbor, especially in light of the fact that I look at some rulings by a judge down in Georgia who graduated from that law school. So hey, I'll let you go, Bean. Well, hold on. One last yeah. thing. Um, I just had a question yeah. for you. If this happens and they do seek an injunction, like where will th- that's got to go? Th- that can't happen locally. Where would it go? Well, you know, that's interesting. They could probably run to the Eastern District Federal Court and argue some type of due process or 14th Amendment or whatever. They could also probably find a way to sue in Washington, Washtenaw County Circuit Court. But that's their best bet, actually. Uh, federal judges tend to not care about Michigan or Michigan State football. But certainly the Washtenaw County Circuit judges... Sure. Uh, many of whom are elected or appointed in Washtenaw County. <clears throat> and 
I would hate to be a Washtenaw County Circuit Judge up for re-election next year if mm-hmm. I ruled against Michigan. Right. That's why I would think, wouldn't it go to Chicago, which is, you know, just north of there where the Big Ten is headquartered? Well, that's that's an interesting thing. Venue's a, venue's a funny thing. It, it can generally be a couple places. It could be where the, where the home office is of the Big Ten. It could also be in Washtenaw County because that's where the impact of the, of the uh, TRO is. So I'm not sure where they'd file it. Okay. Well, hey, thanks, Ted, for your insight, and thank you for not counting that as a billable hour. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good day, Beanie. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Got to go to break. It's offensive-minded. I'm Beanie. This is the game, 730 a.m. Sure, you could listen to Static. (laughs) Or you could get the free game, 730 a.m. mobile app in your app store today and listen longer without the interruptions from the Static. Listen live to all your favorite moments in sports and hear all the action. The game, 730 a.m. app also has tons of great restaurant deals for you. It's waiting for you right now in the app store today. The game, 730 a.m. app is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on a backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. He scores from the right side goal line. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hope you stretched during that time out. We're, We're back, back for, for more sports. sports. It's the game, 7.30 a.m. Uh, I think I pulled a hammy. Okay, we're back, but it's going to be a real short segment. I'm behind the sticks here. My bad. Sorry, guys, but it's because I went over there, but kind of necessary to get to everything. Um, Okay, so before I go any further, you know, in the last segment I mentioned, Michigan fans are out there with conspiracy theories that Ohio State's behind the investigation here that kicked all this off, and Ryan Day's brother, who's a PI, did it, and I don't know. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But I mentioned out loud, why hasn't anyone wondered aloud yet whether Vegas was behind kicking off looking into all this, considering Michigan's practically impossible turnaround in performance against the spread from before Connor Stallions to since. 
And I forgot to give Chris Solari, the MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, some credit because as he pointed out to me almost immediately in my texts, he and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I think when this all started, he brought that up. He said, pay attention to the point spread and betting part of this. And what do you know? From his lips to God's ears. Anyway, the question is that we're trying to get to the bottom of, is a suspension for Harbaugh, whether it's two games or indefinite, enough of an in-season punishment for Michigan football in light of the unprecedented in scope and severity illegal scouting scheme? You tell us. I'll hit a break. We'll come back and get back into it some more with you. It's offensive-minded. I'm Beanie. This is the game, 730 a.m. He's Lansing, a town square media station. Lansing Sports Leader. The game, 730 AL. Bex Supers. From the Breslin Center to Little Caesars Arena, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 730 AM. You can't Uh, I mean, not nobody's nobody's uh, you know wants criticism or uh, you know, and that's why I work so hard to do everything right, you know, both uh, on and off the field. That's Jim Harbaugh earlier today at his weekly press conference. I mean, the gall, the nerve, the shame, the obliviousness of it. The guy is staring the the death of his college career and reputation square in the face, and he has the balls to come out and say, well, no one wants to be criticized. That's why I work so hard to do everything right on and off the field. Unbelievable. If you're on the fence, whether these sons of you-know-whats need the absolute book just thrown at them, there it is right there. I mean, whistling right past the graveyard. You know why? Because he's used to it. He gets away with everything. The guy doesn't know what it's like to be held to account. All the more reason to just line him up, take him to the hangman, do it in public. Anyway, welcome back. The question today is, in light of that, all the developments, and as we await the Big Ten, which is reported to take action later this week. We don't know what it'll be. Some are saying they're going to suspend Jim Harbaugh for two games. Others are saying it will be indefinite. We're asking you what the punishment should be. Is an in-season suspension enough? Is suspending Harbaugh enough? Do you need him and both coordinators to sit down for it to be enough? It's hard to say, isn't it, Dr. J, because it's so unprecedented. Like, we don't have anything to go off of. And the whole, like, legal system, again, this is not taking place in a court of law, but the way the legal system works, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is so much of it operates off of precedent, what's happened before. Well, we don't have that here. Well, since it is unprecedented, you would think that the punishment would be harsher than punishments for for previous situations. Right. So an unprecedented uh, misdeed should warrant an unprecedented punishment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you would think that's how things would work in a fair 
world run by a just God, but there is no God in college football. Dr. J must feel right at home. In co- That's why you like college football so much. That's it. You figured me out. <laughs> Filthy atheist. Well, anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, like, I, look, I don't know what to go off of, and I'm not pretending to be some expert authority on this, but I can tell you Michigan's strategy on this thing and the way its fan base is handling it is proof to me that any punishment short of rendering them ineligible to win a national championship is not enough. And the reason I say that is, look, am I a Michigan State grad and I hate Michigan and everything that's bad for them is good for me and for Michigan State? Yes, I believe that. Of course, of course, that's part of it. Yes. And and I don't shy away from that. And I don't feel bad about that. And if someone brings that up to you, if you're a Michigan State fan, some Wolverine tells you, you're only saying because you hate Michigan. Okay. And like, that's been thrown in my face a few times (laughs) as if that matters. So you would do the same thing and it's okay. But what's really informing my take on this on what should happen is again the strategy of the institution and the behavior of the fan base everything they're doing every move they're making is in an effort to delay any punishment or discipline until after this season so that they can win the national championship knowing full well that it will be vacated and it won't count but that doesn't matter to them you know why Because vacating wins and championships isn't a real punishment. It's the ultimate limp-wristed discipline. It doesn't mean it's toothless. It still happened. So what? You can't hang the banner up. You still benefited from it economically, recruiting-wise, reputationally. And the fan base that wants it to happen and has been waiting for it to happen forever will still remember it. Unless the vacation of these wins and titles come with Will Smith and a neuralizer from Men in Black, then it's not a real punishment. It still happened. And all you need to know that that's not a real punishment, vacating the championship and wins, all you need to know to prove me right on that is the strategy of Michigan and the way its fans are handling this. That's what they want. That is proof that a harsher in-season penalty isn't just appropriate, but necessary. I don't want to hear the argument that, well, that penalizes the kids for something the coaches did. First of all, they're not kids. They're old enough to die for their country. They're not kids. Also, many of them are millionaires now. Secondly, I don't care that it penalizes them. You mean to tell me they didn't benefit from this scheme? They did. Many of them, not just in terms of a team benefit, but many of them have overinflated draft stocks. They look a lot better on film because they know where the other guys are going and what the other guys are doing. That matters. That has a very tangible impact. They benefited from this. Is it their fault? Were they the ones organizing it? No. But listen, man, any punishment in a team or organization setting 
anywhere in the history of time has had collateral damage that impacts people who did not necessarily author the misdeeds. That's just how it works. If you don't like that, don't play a team sport, I guess, because it just comes with the territory. I can't believe the number of people who are saying that there can't be a penalty that includes banning Michigan from the postseason or keeping them out of the playoff or whatever, because that's not fair to the players. Well, what about what's fair to the myriad players from other teams that Michigan has demolished over the last three years because they know their own plays better than they do? What about what's fair and right by them? I don't want to hear about what's fair to Michigan's players because fairness exited this conversation the very first time Connor Stallions decided to use his military-grade code-breaking skills and apply it to their in-game strategy. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. By the way, how many other times have... Since when is this a consideration? Virtually every program-level punishment the NCAA has ever administered has affected players who weren't involved in what necessitated the discipline. It always happens. There is always collateral damage. This is not a new phenomenon. It always happens. It has always already happened. Think about all the programs over the years that have... How about this? How about Penn State? Everything they went through. Did they have anything to do with it? The players? Absolutely not. But they got a postseason ban. Their scholarships were reduced. That didn't stop the NCAA from meeting out a punishment that directly punished them for something they didn't do. And by the way, I'm not so sure Michigan's players didn't know about this. How can you not? How can you not? I don't think you have to have played college football. I don't think you, you, you had to have played any level of football to know that if you're a player and you are just finding yourself in the perfect position every time, that that might get suspicious after a while. There aren't secrets on football teams, let me tell you, firsthand. It's hard to keep them. Real hard. And don't just take my word for it. Remember Eric All the tight end for Michigan who transferred with Cade McNamara to Iowa. Eric All's dad is on Twitter in no uncertain terms saying, uh, yeah, the players have known about this sign-stealing thing for quite a while. Now, take that for what it's worth. Could it be real? Could it be true? Sure. Could it also be the words of a bitter, disaffected player's dad? Yes, it could be. But I'm, in, I'm inclined to believe that that they knew for some amount of time. Maybe they didn't know the full breadth and scope, but they knew they were benefiting, I bet, from illegally illegally obtained information on their opponents. Let's just categorize it that way. So the question is, what do you think needs to happen punishment-wise? Is a punishment that is only a suspension for Harbaugh, whether it's two games or the rest of the season, is that enough? Do you need the coordinators? involved what more you need a postseason ban and why here are all the ways to weigh in phone line 517 342 
Email the show, beanie at wvfnam.com. Use the free game, 7.30 a.m. app. Click chat in the main menu. Sends over a free text. Or use Facebook to send us a message or comment. Just search Facebook for the game, 7.30 a.m. Um, yeah, it's studs and duds, too. Don't forget that. I'll go to the email where the horse racing handicapper, formerly known as Daily Double, now known as Steve from email, has message in, and he says... My stud of the weekend is definitely C.J. Stroud. What a game. 470 passing yards with five touchdowns, including the game winner at the end. Yeah, uh, what a stud. Truly is. And somehow he was not the first overall pick. You think Carolina's regretting that? I bet so. By the way, you know what? He Look, C.J. Stroud has been great. Don't get me wrong, and he was great again yesterday. But I'm not sure he's even the stud of that game, Dr. J, because did you see... They have an injury to their kicker, so their like third-string running back came on and kicked a 33-yard field goal and made it. I did see it, and it looked good, too. Like, it was a good kick. Yeah, it looked smooth and legit. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Steve from email says, My dud is, speaking of kickers, Jonathan Kim from Michigan State. Kick him off the team and take a scholarship away if he has one. With a few minutes left in the game, he missed a 44-yard field goal that would have made the total 40 total points. And that was my pick in the bean counter contest. Enough said. All right. Well, sorry. Bob and Lansing won because the total was 37. What a shame. You just hate to see it, don't you, Dr. J? Absolutely. That's you hate to see it. But more than that, you love to see it. All right. <laughs> I go to the free game 730 a.m. app now. Where uh, the mayor of Holt, John Freeberg, says it's rumored a punishment might come down on Michigan early this week. Well, I'm, I'm seeing, according to Pete Thamel, it won't be today or tomorrow, but sometime after that. Because ostensibly, the uh, Michigan, or excuse me, the Big Ten rules allow a member school a, quote, reasonable time frame to respond and defend itself. So I guess that has been interpreted as 48 hours, but we'll see from there. T and Lansing says on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, how in the world can the Michigan president and AD keep a coach that will likely be suspended twice in the same season? Leaders and best, huh? Laughable. Hey, that's a good question. I, has that ever happened before? A coach being suspended separately twice in the same season? I, you know, off the top of my head, anecdotally, I can't remember that, but that doesn't mean it hasn't. Well, I don't think so, because any other coach that that happened to would, would be fired. Yeah, no kidding. At any other university, they would be gone, except no for this one. You know what, though? I, th- I don't think he would be here anymore if, when this all came out, Michigan already had two or three losses. Mm-hmm. This is all digging the heels in because of the national championship run, which is so crazy to me because you don't need him. They don't need him for the national championship run. He doesn't do anything in the games. He's not one of these head coaches who calls the plays or runs the defense. He's the traditional, like, you know, CEO of the sideline type. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. That's how it should be. But what I'm saying is I think Michigan could get by pretty well without Jim Harbaugh, considering, well, their roster is loaded. And, oh, yeah, they know virtually everyone else they could play they know all the plays for those guys. <laughs> That's a major advantage. That's more advantageous than having Jim Harbaugh. That's the other thing about the, the penalty. People are treating 
an in-season response to this as if the cheating scandal is over and that Michigan no longer benefits from the illegally obtained information and metrics on opponents. That is not true. They still have that. We know this started, it goes back to 2021 at least, probably longer, right? They have a ton of info on their opponents, including teams that they probably were already getting a head start on who they might visit with in the playoff. They still have that information. They've already benefited from it. They have it. That doesn't go away just because they're under NCAA investigation. To me, that necessitates a, a stiffer discipline too. Just madness to me all around. Again, though, I would caution anyone who thinks they're going to like end Michigan season. It's just not an option. It just isn't. For one, has that ever happened? <laughs> I mean, think about the most heinous cheating scandals or, or you know, NCAA scandals in general we've seen. Those didn't end seasons prematurely. It's just not going to happen. Not only because it's unprecedented, but there's a very serious economic interest involved. So anyone out there who's maybe hoping and praying that Word's going to come down in a couple days that Michigan's season is over. Um, Do you realize how many billions of dollars would be lost by Fox over that? That is not going to happen. Oh, and by the way, Chris Ballas of TheWolverine.com reported that in that Big Ten meeting with U of M leadership, Fox was involved too. And that wouldn't surprise me because they're in charge of the, the networks are in charge of the sport now. They literally have the most invested, billions of dollars. Do you know what Fox would do if Michigan's season ended early and that meant there was no Michigan at Penn State this weekend for Big Noon and there was no Ohio State at Michigan for Big Noon in two weeks? Do you know what that would mean to Fox? That would be their two biggest Big Noons of the entire calendar. Would not happen. That means the ad inventory they've sold, which is the most expensive in the entire season for them, would have to be refunded. And we are talking millions upon millions of dollars worth of ad inventory. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Before anything else, this is a business. And that wouldn't be good for business for anyone. Just trying to get out in front of that before some people get their heart set on that happening. Okay, I think I'm caught up, Dr. J. Yes, yes, we are. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's take a break. Let's put a pin in that because I do want to get to some coaching search stuff for Michigan State. All right, let's do that on the other side. It's Offensive Minded. I'm Beanie. This is the game, 730 a.m. Get your Detroit Lions pregame fix all season with nachos and kneecaps. The Lansing area's very own local Detroit Lions tailgate show. Presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason. Join yours truly, Beanie, from Offensive Minded on the game 7.30 a.m. And Brock Palmbush every week about two hours before kickoff. We cover all the Lions angles, player availability, matchups, outrageous Dan Campbell in-game decisions and audio, local ski mask sales, and everything else. Nachos and kneecaps presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason is also brought to you by Miller Lite. On Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ and the game 7:30 a.m. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Got a hot take? Pick up the phone and start dialing. Offensive-minded phone lines are open. 517-300-4263. What should the penalty be, if any, for Michigan slash Jim Harbaugh in season as it pertains to the Big Ten's response to this illegal scouting scheme? Let's go to the phone line, 517-300-4263. Tim and Lansing, long time no here. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing, Brandon? We're good, too. It's good to hear from you. I hear you've been all over the place, up north a little bit. Yes, I have. It was nice up there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moved right back down here. I'm back in Lansing now. Okay, well, that's good, man. Good to hear from you again. What do you got for us today? Um, I'm going to get my studs and duds in real quick. Go ahead. I'm going to take for my, my duds. I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh, okay, because, he, you know, he ain't going to be, nothing's going to happen to him. He's going to go to the NFL, you know that. So I don't even know why we even waste our time. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's going to go to the NFL, don't you think so? Yeah, I think so, regardless. Um, it seems like he wants back there. I mean, he's flirted every year in the last, what, three or four, it seems like. And I think he knew before all this, this was this was his last best chance with everyone that came back this year, and they're all leaving. So I, I thought it was all lining up. And then this is just the latest evidence. I'm with you. Because who would want to go spy on Michigan State team a, a three a three and it's gonna they're gonna they're, they're gonna go three and nine for the rest of the year they're gonna go three and nine what do you want to spy on a three and nine team you know I, I've been thinking about that a lot why were they investing so much into scouting Michigan State and I have to, the only reason I can come up with was after 2021 with Tucker in his first year beating them there and then the Kenneth Walker game the next year that. He like Michigan State was just so in their heads that they were committed to doing whatever it could to turn things around against them. That's the only explanation. Well, well, I think it's pretty dumb, Brandon. You want to spy on a three and nine ball club? What <laughs> is that going to do for you? No, really. Yeah, it's gratuitous. It's like you know reeling in a big fish and then taking out an assault rifle and shooting it when it's on the deck of the boat. <laughs> you don't really need to. I just think it's hilarious. You know, why? that's why I wanted to call anyways when I say, who'd want to spy on us? We're a rotten team this year. Yeah, use those resources and time on someone else who might actually present a threat. Uh, what else do you have for us? And my studs yeah. is going to be Michigan State hockey. Yeah, off to a good okay. start. Number 11 right now uh, in the polls. Right. Uh, really good hockey team, Brandon. This Adam Nightingale is going to win here at State. Looks good so far, man, and he's getting players, too. Uh, I like the early returns. I'm with you. Do you think uh, I would like to see another Ron Mason out there, Brandon? I know that's kind of... Those are big shoes. kind of being kind of on my spot, but I'll tell you, I'd love to see another Ron Mason out there. 
Well, early returns are good, and he's a young guy, so yeah, he's got potential. I feel pretty good about it. We'll see how things shake out the rest of the year, though. But, hey, man, good to hear from you, okay? I hope you call right, again more care, regularly man. now that you're back. All right. Take care, Brandon. You too, man. We'll go right on to Joe and Lansing. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brandon. Uh, I'll do the studs and duds first. The stud has got to be C.J. Stroud, so that'd be... Uh... That would be my stud of uh, the record that he did, the uh, rookie record. Uh, phenomenal game. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the Carolina's probably second guessing themselves on, uh, you know, it was between those two quarterbacks, but, you know, what do you do? Right. So, Plus, um, reportedly, the coach, Frank Reich, wanted CJ Stroud at number one, but the owner, David Tepper, overruled him and wanted Bryce Young. Yikes. C.J. Stroud's numbers are, listen to this, this is incredible. This is a rookie. He's 62% completions, almost 2,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception. It's crazy. crazy. It's been great, yeah. Yeah. And my dud would be, uh, it's got to be Nebraska. They got beat by state, so (laughs) that'd be be my dud. Yeah, that's an automatic automatic dud clinching when you lose to Michigan State. Exactly, so... I just kind of wanted to talk about like Colorado Buffaloes at first. Um, uh, they, you know, I mean, at the beginning of the year, GM looked like such a wizard, and then what was going on? How they started BTCU. Of course, TCU was kind of like uh, not nothing to be heard of anyway. So, but I just, you know, he got into the portal, and everybody thought, well, you know, how great it was to use the portal, use the portal. And I'm just wondering now what the season's going through. I'm just wondering now if he. Uh, just kind of jumped the boat a little bit and maybe shouldn't have got rid of some of the players and not cleaned house and, you know, because the, the season is, is just, he's the same, just, the ship is sinking on that team. So Yeah, um, I, I mean, they're four and five and what's happened is they're playing better teams now. So they have to play Arizona this weekend. They get them at home, but Arizona is so much improved. Jed Fish is going to get a better job. He might be at Michigan State next year. Who knows? Then they have to go to Washington State, who's really cooled off and looks kind of bad now. And then they end at Utah, who's always solid. So, I mean, getting to six wins looks practically impossible for Colorado now. But still, you know, a market improvement, though, over where they were a year ago, they only won one game. And he got them, you know, into the news, and they look like a destination for quality recruits now he just has no offensive line man just none and their defense pretty non-existent too no no and i and i'm i think i uh he i think his son well got his son's making a bunch of nil money oh yeah so i believe his son's gonna be there next year so um um he could uh, be but i think he could also go pro if he wants shadur so yeah up to him yeah yeah okay thanks beanie thanks man appreciate the call uh, let me get a message in here real quick this is on facebook uh, you can message us or comment there. Just search Facebook for the game, 7.30 a.m. to do that. This is from Scott. He says, Beanie, I appreciate your investigative efforts, but this has never been about sign stealing, no matter how much effort, if given toward decoding. Heck, if Michigan used AI during the game in an attempt to decode, it would be totally legal. The rule broken is an out-of-date in-person scouting rule that was only created to save money. It's about being at the game to scout in any capacity. So if Connor Stallions is just an overzealous staffer trying to make his mark at Michigan, um, as Michigan would have us believe, are you really going to vacate wins for something else that is legal during the game? Ultimately, Harbaugh is responsible for any loose cannons in his staff, but to expect anything more than a few-game suspension is unrealistic. The NCAA is not going to punish the players for someone who went overboard trying to do something that is legal in every other game setting 
or legal scouting slash analysis. Harbaugh is guilty of scouting uh, at the opponent's venue only because he didn't have control of his staffer and not for the information the staffer was gathering. He will get suspended, but that is it. Maybe you're right, dude. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, Scott. I'm just telling you what my feel of the situation is, my read is. And I think... Ultimately, I'm talking about the NCAA here, which I think you are too, which won't be adjudicated for at least a year or so, maybe longer. I don't think they're going to see it as just one guy going rogue. And that brings me to some breaking news that we need to get to. And man, if you ain't sitting down, now's the time. read you a little bit from the Associated Press. Ready? Headline. Ex-college football staffer shared documents with Michigan showing a Big Ten team had Wolverines signs. Now, this is interesting. Okay? This is from Larry Lage. Uh, thanks to Chris Solari for pu- pa- uh, passing this along to me. It just came out. Read you a little bit from the story. A former employee at a Big Ten football program said Monday it was his job to steal signs and he was given details from multiple league schools to compile a spreadsheet of play-calling signals used by Michigan last year. The employee said he recently shared the documents, which showed the Wolverine signs and corresponding plays, as well as screenshots of text message exchanges with staffers at other Big Ten schools with Michigan. He spoke with the AP on condition of anonymity because he feared the disclosures could impact his coaching career. The spreadsheet was compiled with details from a handful of coaches and programs across the Big Ten, the person said. He also gave the details to Michigan last week because he hoped it would help Jim Harbaugh's embattled program, and he believes Harbaugh and his coaches are being unfairly blamed for the actions of a rogue staffer. The alleged actions by conference schools potentially violate the Big Ten sportsmanship policy, which could lead to punishment by the commissioner's office. Harbaugh's program also faces that possibility. Uh, okay. Wow. I mean, the hits just keep coming. I I don't know what to make of that. So sign stealing of Michigan signals. This guy was told to put together a, a spreadsheet of all of Michigan's signals. Okay. So... My immediate response to that is, and it's not in the story, we don't know. Were these illegally obtained? Because remember, as I've been told countless times by Michigan fans in the media and otherwise, since this all came out, stealing signs is not illegal. It's how you steal them. (laughs) So I don't know what to make of that. I just wanted to pass that along. And also, Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports has a new story. Sources. NCAA revealed Michigan findings to Big Ten. Conference mulls Jim Harbaugh suspension. Um, I, this is huge. This story is an enormous one. I, I can't read all of this. And it's hard for me to parse out the relevant um, excerpts while I'm on air. But here you go. From Yahoo Sports. Over the weekend, Michigan was given a period of several days in which to mount a response to the Big Ten before penalties, if any, are levied. Sources with knowledge of discussion say a resolution around the issue is expected by the end of the week and as soon as Wednesday. Uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti's pursuit of potential penalties against Harbaugh is the latest chapter in the ongoing saga that has gripped the college football world. Blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, Ward Manuel, Michigan AD, is skipping out on his duties with College Football Playoff Committee this week so he can focus on the school's response to the investigation. They have more info on Connor Stallions in this story. Stallions is believed to have used as many as 65 associates to scout games, sources tell Yahoo Sports. While sign stealing is not against NCAA rules, scouting a future opponent's game is, as well as using recording devices to document signals. Uh, in just his eighth month as commissioner, Petiti is facing internal pressure from league coaches and, and administrators to take action against the Wolverines before the NCAA investigation has completed. The organization only in the third week of his investigation is treating this probe differently, accelerating matters as well as sharing information with the conference. In meetings with Michigan leadership in Ann Arbor Friday, Petiti is believed to have proposed a multi-game suspension for Harbaugh, something that school officials, including President Santa Ono, pushed back against. We knew that, right? We talked about that earlier. Petiti and Big Ten ADs and presidents have spent the past two weeks discussing potential penalties, with most of those talks held without the presence of Michigan's representatives. Any Big Ten penalty will be rooted in the conference sportsmanship policy, which allows the commissioner to hand down disciplinary measures for violating the integrity of competition in the competitive arena. Okay, we've talked about that before. Uh, any school targeted for a violation of the sportsmanship policy is permitted a reasonable time frame set by the commissioner to file a response. Big, the Big Ten is believed to have given Michigan a deadline of midweek to file a response before they take action. Any suspension of Harbaugh is expected to be met with legal action from both the coach and Michigan, according to multiple sources. School officials have held ongoing conversations around legal action tied to a significant fact in the case that there is no documented evidence that Harbaugh was aware of Stallion's NCAA rule breaking. Now, this part's interesting. Listen to this. While under NCAA bylaws, head coaches are presumed responsible for a staff member's actions, the Big Ten sportsmanship policy does not feature such a clause. The policy holds institutions, not head coaches, as responsible for and therefore may be held accountable for the actions of its employees, coaches, student-athletes, band, spirit squads, mascots, general student body, and any other individual or group of individuals over whom or which it maintains some level of authority. Can the Big Ten apply an NCAA bylaw to override its own bylaw to suspend Harbaugh? That's the kind of question, and others that arise from two bureaucratic mazes, that will no doubt be asked of a judge. The legal avenues available to the university and or Michigan are clear, according to Mitt Winter, a sports attorney based in Kansas City who has handled NCAA-related cases in the past. They can seek a temporary restraining order to prevent any suspension from taking effect. Quote, the school or, Harb or Harbaugh would have to prevent a cause of action. That could be a lack of due process claim or a failure to follow procedural rules. Temporary restraining orders... Uh, TROs are often filed for emergency purposes and are ruled upon quickly. In fact, TROs can be granted without the other party present or even making arguments. The granting of a TRO could reinstate Harbaugh until a more permanent decision is made from the courts through a preliminary injunction. A similar court battle is unfolding in the case of the Pac-12, where Washington State and Oregon State won a restraining order in September against the 10 outgoing members for control of the conference. For the NCAA, there is little to no precedent in this case. The scope of this in-person scouting scandal is the largest in college sports history. Blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah. Okay. I think that's enough of that. Dr. J, you wanted to weigh in. Yeah. So under the Big Ten bylaws, then if the university is held responsible, wouldn't the appropriate response be to like suspend them from postseason play rather than suspending Harbaugh? That's been floated as being discussed so i i yeah, assume so if, they, if they don't have the authority to suspend harbaugh fine whatever do what's within your authority and like make it so they can't play in the postseason well remember the big 10 gives its commissioner pretty much unilateral authority to suspend a coach or player or administrator up to two games so he could do that on his own two games okay. sounds like doesn't mean michigan couldn't or wouldn't challenge it legally, but he could. Anything more than that, like an indefinite suspension, yes, it sounds like that would have a, I don't know, it would be more legally dubious. I don't know, though, because I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> not that, by the way, not that any of the lawyers really know, because this is right. unprecedented. As we talked about earlier, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to speak out of school. I'm not a lawyer or legal scholar by any means, but... My layman understanding of law is, at least in this country, that precedent is extremely important in terms of interpretation of the law, right? Mm -hmm. But there is no precedent. That's what makes it so hard to predict. Yeah. This football season has been the one where I've talked about actual football the least. And this thing at Michigan is the latest example. It started with Mel Tucker and his drama you know, it's just, this is just madness. It's, oh. Okay. Anyway, I need a break. We'll come back and wrap it up. <laughs> As my mind just melts over all this legalese. And it's dark outside already. It's like pitch black at 547. Gotta love the time change. Offensive minded, I'm Beanie. This is the game, 730 AM. There's only one station in Lansing that you've depended on for sports for over 30 years. Some call us by our government-given name of WVFN East Lansing. You can call us by the name the people of Lansing know us by. And that name is the game. 730 AM. Start your weekday morning with the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout. Middays with Mike Greenberg. Offensive minded with Beanie Howell. And the huge show with Bill Simonson. We're a four to be reckoned with. We're Lansing's only sports station. The game, 730 AM. Sports, opinions, and you. The station Lansing turns to for sports. Turns to for sports. The game, 730 AM. All right, we're back to wrap it up with you. Got a message here on Facebook for studs and duds from our friend Aaron at Olivet University. He says, stud, the backup Houston running back for making that field goal. And my dud is the Boston Bruins for showing no class in their loss to the Red Wings. Okay, you're on the board. Appreciate it. Let me go to the free game 730 a.m. app now where Mike in Langsburg has messaged in. And he says, are we losing sight of the difference between in-game scouting and out-of-game scouting. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're just joining us, the AP has just broken a story. The headline is, ex-college football staffers shared documents with Michigan showing a Big Ten team had Wolverines signs. Let me recap that real quick for those of you just joining us because we have a minute here. 
A former employee at a Big Ten football program said Monday it was his job to steal signs and he was given details from multiple league schools to compile a spreadsheet of play calling signals uh, used by Michigan last year. The employee said he recently shared the documents which showed the Wolverine signs and corresponding plays as well as screenshots of text message exchanges with staffers at other Big Ten schools with Michigan. The spreadsheet was compiled with details from a handful of coaches and programs across the Big Ten, person said. He also said he gave the details to Michigan last week because he hoped it would help Harbaugh's embattled program, and he believes Harbaugh and his coaches are being unfairly blamed for the actions of a rogue staffer. Okay, that's what Mike and Langsberg is talking about. He's asking, does that matter if as long as those signals are not illegally obtained I don't think so, right? Like, it's okay to crack signals in-game, but it's the scouting outside of the game against them that's the issue, right? I don't know. Is collaboration against the rules? I don't think so, right? I mean, if you're allowed to share tape with other schools, which happens a lot, like coaches will call up other coaches because they're playing a team that that coach is used to playing and might have some insight on. I know that, you know, that happens all the time. Does that mean Big Ten coaches could not collaborate on sharing signs they've cracked from Michigan? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's necessarily against the rules. It's a bad look, but I don't think it's against the rules. It sounds like sign stealing, which seems, you know, kind of cheap and, you know, Bush League, but not explicitly against the rules. I don't know. My, you know, my response or my first reaction reading that story, Dr. J, is what preempted these supposedly multiple Big Ten schools getting together to collaborate on cracking Michigan signs? Isn't it? I mean, to me, it seems like there's an obvious reason that they knew they had theirs. So they wanted to work together to get a little payback, right? Isn't that the obvious rationale behind it? Wouldn't it be? Well, yeah, that's the only, that's the thing that makes the most sense. No, I don't know that. That's not in the story. Just speculating here. Anyway, I don't know, man. (laughs) Unbelievable. What's interesting to me is the detail in, um, in the Yahoo story that, there is not explicit evidence of a direct connection between Harbaugh and Stallions yet. Very interesting. That doesn't matter to the NCAA case, but it would to the Big Ten. 517-342-63. Caller, you on the air. Who is it? Sam from Mason. Hey, man. How you been? Oh, not too bad. How about those Mason Bulldogs, baby? Yeah, I was at the game the other night. I couldn't believe it. I that They... Uh played a much better game versus DeWitt than they did the previous week against Linden, who was a uh, losing team. But I wanted to get my stud and dud in while I still Mm -hmm. could. Go ahead. My dud would be the Northwestern Wildcats, who couldn't get it in on, like, four attempts at first and goal on the one- or two-yard line against Mm -hmm. Iowa and ultimately lost 10-0. to And my stud... Of the Minnesota Vikings, who scored the winning touchdown, a fellow named Brandon Howell. Is that right? 
I believe so. I, I think the I think the guy that scored for the Vikings, I think his name was Brandon Owl. If I'm not mistaken, you might check on that. I I watched that and I don't remember that. I'll have to look. How would uh, I have missed that, Doctor Jake? Do you know if that's true? Was, no, she doesn't know. She's giving me a shrug. I have no idea. Oh, okay, no. I'll look it up. Uh, not the quarterback, the receiver. Right. The the quarterback is Josh Got Dobbs, it. right? Who just Josh came in. Josh Dobbs, yeah. Well, he could have been considered a stud for yeah. a lot of people. Brand new player. Oh, it's Brandon Powell with a P. Oh, Brandon Powell. Oh, yeah. P. Okay, I, miss, I misheard that. Well, let's see. That's okay. Like, can I, can I re- Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I, was, I, I was, so I need to redo that to see who that's okay. would be. It, it'll, it counts. Well, it's fine. Mason Bulldogs is would be my studs, but I really wanted to have my heart into it because those boys played a great game the other night. They did. Didn't they beat DeWitt worse than they beat him the first time? Yes, they did. They And they clocked him in the second and the fourth quarter that was running clock. Yeah, when's the last time that happened to DeWitt? That just doesn't happen. That's impressive. Well, it's happened twice this year when Mason did yeah. it to them, 35 to nothing to start the second Gosh. half in DeWitt. They're so damn good. Yeah. Yeah, they got they got to take it all the way, really. I'm hoping that the neutral site game will be in the Lansing area because several schools have an artificial turf and that's the prerequisite. Yeah. To host it, one of those. Yeah, like Catholic, that'd be nice. Like I guess it depends on Okemos, who it is. Yeah. Okemos, Catholic, uh boy, there's several schools. Howell has got one. Yeah. Howell yeah. and Brighton both do, I think. So, all right, Sam, well, you're in the drawing. Thanks, man. Yep, thank you. Yep, nice. Go white. And we're, oh, sorry, I cut, what did he say? Go what? Dr. J, did you catch, did you catch that? I cut Sam off too soon. He said go something anyway. Sorry, Sam. I don't know. Let us know tomorrow. By the way, that Iowa-Northwestern game, remember, it had the lowest over-under total in the history of college football at 29 and a half points. Final score, 10 to 7. <laughs> also, someone Someone made a good point. You know, they played that at Wrigley Field. Did you know Northwestern and Iowa was just the sixth highest scored game played at Wrigley Field this year? That means five Cubs games featured more runs than Northwestern (laughs) and Iowa did points. Wow. That's it for today. We're back tomorrow. Oh, I didn't do the draw. I don't have time now. I'll I'll announce that tomorrow for Studs and Duds. Stay tuned. Uh, Until 4 to 6 tomorrow, be safe and be good. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.